Welcome to Season 5 of The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. If you've been following the podcast, you know that Season 5 is ushering in a big change. This is the first season that is off of Instagram and onto YouTube as the primary video source for the podcast. I've also expanded out uh, the audio version onto many other platforms, so you can find the podcast more uh, easily. So as in previous sort of tech changes, my first guest is uh, my partner, Ayahuasca Carr, who not only is an incredible uh, therapist and trauma-informed ayahuasca preparation and integration coach, um, she's also you know, here with me and helping me out through uh, this technical transition. So I actually have a few more episodes that I'll be posting uh, within the next week or so, but uh, just bear with me as I learn this new system. You know, using Instagram was pretty easy. I just had to record it and post it with my phone. Now there's a whole process with, uh, you know, going onto YouTube and getting the video up. So I'm still figuring out what works and what doesn't, and I appreciate your patience and for you supporting me during this time. So I hope you enjoy this excellent conversation with Aya and I. It's all about EMDR and her experiences using EMDR for psychedelic preparation and integration. And one of the things that I will be focusing more on going forward and is included in this episode is practices not only for myself, during the solo episodes, but practices from the guest as well that you can follow along with and use to help your own personal development and growth. So this episode is uh, kicking that off with uh, Aya's presentation of a EMDR anchoring process that you can use to help uh, remember and help anchor in positive experiences both in and out of the medicine space. So I hope you enjoy. When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you want to learn methods to transform your life and actively grow into the potential you know is inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration and transformation coach and breathwork facilitator, as well as an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world, and there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on this journey. This podcast will help you learn about new methods to bring into your life, give you practices to follow, and share stories from practitioners who are doing the work so that you feel inspired to go and practice because that's the vital point. And on this sort of first episode uh, uh, that's made for YouTube, we're using a new format. I have a very special guest, my partner, Ayahuasca Carr. And this is sort of tradition for this show. I uh, was the first guest on the first episode of the podcast. And then when I switched the format, she was the first guest there. And now as we go into this next chapter, here we are again. And so much has changed since the last time we spoke on the podcast together. And so I'm really excited to have her here. So just to let you guys know a little bit more about her, um, Ayahuasca Carr, whose birth name is Sarai Darbondi, is a licensed clinical social worker and a trauma-informed ayahuasca preparation and integration coach. She's taken her years of being a trauma therapist and began to intentionally apply her knowledge to the ayahuasca path beginning in 2016 when she herself experienced the power of ayahuasca. She struggled to deeply integrate the lessons 
that she learned in the beginning and began to pay attention to what really worked. And over the years, she's come up with a blend of mindfulness, breathwork, inner child, and reparenting, as well as one of the things we'll be talking about today, EMDR, to assist her clients and students with making long-lasting changes on the ayahuasca path. Ms. Carr does ayahuasca preparation and integration work with individuals and with groups. And we'll leave a link to check out her offerings on the show page. So Aya, welcome back to The Vital Point. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel I feel kind of nervous, um, but I'm, I am really excited to talk about all things ayahuasca and um, yeah, let let some people know a little bit about the the world of EMDR and what that could potentially provide for them. Yeah, this uh, so this conversation, this desire to have another episode of the podcast together, really came about uh, recently through uh, an MDMA experience that we shared, and. We were sitting outside, enjoying the day, and we started to talk about all the things that have changed. You know, you went through a big experience during, I mean, this last year has been a huge change for you, but since the last time we did a podcast Mm -hmm. together, you went through this big initiation in Peru. And so maybe we could just start there. Um, Last year, I went to the jungles of Peru to deepen my relationship and my understanding of this medicine. And it really, I went through like a two month program where we did two uh, master plant diets. And then also we drank ayahuasca three times a week. And for me, being a person who eventually wants to facilitate ceremony, I was seeking a lot of confidence. I had a lot of self-worth blocks, a lot of, I, I could never do this, you know, so I really wanted to be disconnected from my everyday familiar surroundings and really just be in an environment where this is where I was learning day in, day out, you know, to really build, um, an embodiment of it, you know, and I can't say I, I'm, I'm there even just yet in terms of feeling confident of serving the medicine, but definitely had a huge transformation. Um, and just to kind of connect the EMDR component, right? So, um, so that, that all started in 2015, uh, when I had just graduated with my master's in social work and I was on, now I was on the path to, be a therapist or, you know, that's what I, that's what I thought I was doing. And, um, there was a lot of trauma that was coming up cause I got this job at this treatment center that I went to go work at. Um, and in this inpatient treatment center, they focused on trauma and, uh, addiction. And, um, yeah, so I was just, I was just getting triggered. All this stuff was coming up because I was in this environment and then my work ended up paying for an EMDR training. And uh, just like anything that I first learned, I'm very skeptical of it. And EMDR was definitely something that I thought was straight out of a cult. I was like, this is super weird. How could waving a hand in front of somebody's eyes? I just thought it was really bizarre. And I was like, but I was like, whatever, my work is paying for it. And by the end of this two-day training, like, I mean, I literally was bawling my eyes out and I was able to discover things about myself that I didn't even know. So that's when I was like, okay, cool. Like, got my own therapist, started doing this really deep work in EMDR land, and that was extremely profound. You know, I was totally sold on it. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then at the same time, I was in a 12-step program called Adult Children of Alcoholics Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. And at some point, I got to a place in my healing that I just knew I couldn't access a certain aspect of myself. Um, Although I was pretty, I mean, looking back on it, I was in my infancy of healing. I mean, I was only six months in, but my impatient personality was just like, there's got to be something else. And 
I was working with a mentor at that time that introduced me to ayahuasca and uh, yeah so and then six months after she told me about it I I decided to sit with ayahuasca for the first time so hopefully that was a, I was trying to keep it as short as possible but hopefully that kind of gives a lay of the land for people no that was great I really want to go more into the EMDR uh -huh. first because yeah. that's what kind of sparked this conversation mm -hmm. between us about how I think you were saying something about the EMDR almost being like a psychedelic, yep. like being and we've we've talked about this. You've reminded me of it several mm -hmm. times about um, that EMDR is an expanded state of consciousness in and yes. of itself. Yeah. So, so tell me more about how that works because I'm, I'm an EMDR novice. Mm -hmm. We've, we've explored it a little mm -hmm. bit. You've helped me explore it a little bit in terms of anchoring in positive. Yes. Things. Yes. Which, which we will be doing and, that today. Yeah. And so that's something that's new for me in mm -hmm. my practice. Mm -hmm. And has been like a big game changer and this is coming after several years of somatic therapy and my own medicine work yeah. and just this idea that i could use therapeutic resources to like create positive mm -hmm. interactions mm -hmm. and you know positive associations rather than this is just something that i'm doing to like clear the clear. shit out mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. <laughs> it has been a big game changer for me and it's something that i'm continuing to explore and emdr is one way that we've totally. done that but can you go into like sort of the mechanics of emdr yeah, yeah. a little bit more and what it's what it's yeah used let's for? do it so um yeah let's go back to 1988 because we definitely want to reference um you know francine shapiro who's the creator of emdr and so EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And so um, Dr. Francine Shapiro, who actually isn't with us anymore, she passed away a couple years ago in her, um, while she's in her clinical psychology work in her program, um, she got cancer. And while she was walking in the park one day, and she was thinking about like, you know, damn, I have cancer. Like, this isn't fun, right? She was shifting her eyes from left to right. And she noticed as she was doing this that her feelings of having cancer seemed less intense, more neutral, more manageable. Um, and I always find this story like mind blowing because it's like, well, she just took that. I mean, that's what you do in a PhD program. You're a researcher, right? So she just took her own experience and took it right to the lab, you know, and she basically started testing out this theory on people. And then eventually it became um, a full therapy that she rolled out. And it actually took EMDR quite some time before it was actually respected. A lot of people had the same mindset as me that were like, what? Okay. Like, yeah, right. But so the theory and the science behind EMDR is that, um, so originally it was, you would follow somebody's hand and you would shift your eyes from left to right. Okay. And so in that, that mimics something that we do organically and naturally at night, which is when we go into REM, right? Rapid eye movement. And we, that's where we naturally process the day and then we have access to the subconscious mind. Other people call it the dream state or the upper worlds or, you know, you can throw around lots of different language around this, but for the purposes of this conversation, the subconscious mind. And so um, essentially what EMDR does is that it intentionally uses this process to help somebody like work through memories of the past that are clouding the present. So here's an analogy. A lot of us are walking around with different lenses, lenses of I'm not good enough, I'm not safe, I'm not in control, and that is downloaded into 
our thoughts and then into our central nervous systems, right? We all have somatic imprints from childhood, meaning, um, you know, maybe we're stuck in fight or flight or, and then we have these core beliefs. So what EMDR, there's, there's a lot of processes that go into it. There's actually eight phases to the process, but long story short, because I just really want to stick to like the potent, the most relevant stuff for the, for the listener is like, basically, you know, say little Joey comes to therapy or coaching or whatever context he's coming in and he's telling the person like, I keep ending up in these relationships where I'm not treated well and um, I feel like I cope a lot with alcohol and I'm always in fear, I'm always anxious. Okay, so the person who's working with little Joey um, or Joey, I don't know why I said little, maybe I'm referring to his inner child already. Anyway, but he's like, you know, um, they're like listening. They're obviously taking in all the information. Um, but what an EMDR practitioner is doing is they're watching and assessing for how this present experience is perhaps maybe related to something that's in the subconscious mind that's like stuck and not aware. And it just keeps replaying, you know, so, um, so everything said and done, say this person's a perfect candidate because, you know, you, you don't just go into this part with a person. You got to make sure that they're ready. Um, they like go into a specific memory and say there was a memory. We won't give details, but basically it was a memory of I'm not good enough. And then the intensity around this memory was like 10 out of 10, you know, whatever that was for this guy, Joey. And so what EMDR does is that it targets that memory specifically and in the process of that, you know, bilateral stimulation, it's actually opening it up. So this person, it's no longer locked in in a particular way, which is what traumatic memories end up being. And it's just like kind of, it plays on, plays in a loop. So the EMDR allows someone to go in to open it up and to look at it in different angles and to separate themselves from it and to actually process through the stuck emotions so they can complete the cycle, right? And so there's an EMDR, there's three measures. The first one is the intensity. So the first goal is to neutralize the memory that no longer holds the weight anymore. The second step is to change the core belief, not just on a mental level, which is what cognitive behavioral therapy does. It's actually on there's an actual measure that's built into the model that is how much do you believe that? So if we're changing it to I'm good enough, how much do I actually believe that? And we want to get that seven out of seven, full conviction. The last part is the body feels fully clear now. So, and this is all done through, if you're, if you're doing it via, you know, telehealth, which is what I've been doing for the last two and a half years, you just do a tapping process like this. Um, and then there's also lots of technology mechanisms that facilitate the bilateral stimulation. Um, and I know this is like kind of maybe too much psychological mumbo jumbo jargon, but essentially what this ends up doing for somebody is they are free. They're emotionally free from their past and it helps, you know, because now we know, because, you know, you can also speak to this, like you've done a lot of somatic experiencing. We now know that talking about things is great, but it's very limited and actually transforming somebody on a very deep level that they feel empowered by. And now this is why psychedelics and plant medicines are so profound because it gives somebody a direct experience of that trauma and they get to right? They get to heal it within, they get to overcome it within. So this whole process facilitates all of that on a somatic level, a mental level, on an authentic and conviction level, you know, so the client can feel empowered. And now those lenses change in everyday life. I am good enough. I can separate that was something that happened in my past. It is not happening anymore. You know, these are things that with trauma, it's hard to flush out. But with the EMDR, they're able to start to see, like, you know, really reclaim their identity and their parts of themselves. And, um, yeah, so 
that's the short version of it. Hopefully that wasn't too long. <laughs> so by allowing the client to re-experience the memory in a safe way, they're able to process and maybe complete. And it also sounds like they're able to see it from different perspectives, like instead of sort of, because that's something about trauma, right? Is that we get locked into a specific way that we viewed it. Yes. And we're not able to like be the observer. Correct. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're in the middle of, we're, we're in the middle of the storm. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad that you brought up like how psychedelics are can be can work together with this process yeah. because when you were talking, that was like the, one of the things that came up was like I was like, well, this sounds like you're describing MDMA for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, we we just were recently watching the How to Change Your Mind, mm-hmm. and there was that quote in there of the the patient saying. Mm. It feels like I can, like, examine being sad without being sad. Yes. And and we've we've talked about that, mm-hmm. right? About right. like how we're able to observe uh, emotions that are somewhat overwhelming when we're not in the medicine mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. but like the emotionality is taken out of it. Right, right. You're just able to view it from a very neutral perspective, and therefore not get caught up in some sort of story about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say with the EMDR in particular, like you definitely will feel it. <laughs> so not to, not to confuse the, the listeners, like it's, it's mm. uncomfortable, you know, it's, mm. it's, um, so that's why we didn't touch on this, you know, where I first heard the words preparation and integration were actually in the world of uh, EMDR. So you don't go to this place where I just took everyone through right away. You prep the person with mindfulness, with breathing exercises, basically with self-regulation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because as only only one could imagine, um, just throwing somebody into a place of chaos, which is what trauma is, it's, it is dysregulating, it is dissociative by nature, it is um, all these things, especially with childhood trauma, which is what I usually help people work with, although I do do some present day stuff as well. But um, so you want to prep them, you want to prep them and then you want to, and you know, let them know that, hey, this is going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to give you a chance to, to work through it. So it's filed differently. Because a lot of times what, with these memories that we're carrying, it's with the child perspective that didn't have anyone to borrow from, not safety, not security, no regulation. You know, this is like often happening like in dysfunctional homes where the parent is not parenting, you know, or um, at least that's what I, I end up working a lot with, you know. And so, but the child mind is limited. They don't have the ability to reflect and see the future. But when we go back in, someone had, you know, now with more experience, they can go back and help that child, teenager, whatever the younger part is, to give them that new and like more, like you said, complete perspective. So it doesn't, it feels finished. I can move forward. Okay, so that's interesting. The preparation and integration came before mm-hmm. you were working with, mm-hmm. you know, more with ayahuasca. So you're able right. to apply those those skills and that language and those resources into plant medicine work. Yes. So how different is the preparation then? Is it would you say it's pretty similar? Um, preparation for ayahuasca in comparison to EMDR? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say really similar. I mean, I don't know how other people practice. I think people need to remember that, like, what I've put together is really based on science that I've learned about from the world of trauma and the pioneers in it, like Dr. Peter Valine, uh Levine and Dr. Stephen Porres and um, 
you know, Dr. Richard Schwartz, you know, like all of that. And then being this Westerner who's taken ayahuasca, you know, so I've just kind of made these parallels in my head, you know, that's, that's, that's what I wanted to say about that. But I would say very similar because, um, EMDR is a non-ordinary state of consciousness, although you are very much more in control than you are in, in ayahuasca land, but both have an element of we are taking off the masks. We are going into the deeper waters. We are letting go of defenses and protector parts, right? So um, in both in in both lands, ayahuasca land and EMDR land, you want to, you know, make sure somebody has a mindfulness practice and they know how to regulate. You want to, you know, when I prep someone for EMDR, I put them, we intentionally talk about it, but we, I put them through some stressful events, you know, like let's go through some stressors and do something called pendulating when you intentionally take somebody through a stressful experience internally and then you bring them back down into center and we do that, you know, so they know what it's like. Okay, this is me feeling activated and now can I come back down, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to, in EMDR land, that's definitely going to happen in ayahuasca land. Your temperature changes, you're seeing visions, some, someone or something's talking to you, all, all sorts of things, right? Like, and depending on the setting, you know, if you're in a group versus alone, all these things, you know. Um, definitely taking an assessment of the family trauma and what's happened. I mean, I, I, if I'm working with somebody, I definitely make them very aware that like, Hey, this very much could be a piece that comes up in your ceremony. doesn't mean it's going to, but come on now. Like, (laughs) like it's like this medicine really makes you work deeply, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, I would say one component of ayahuasca preparation that isn't really connected to EMDR is the, you know, the diet, the ayahuasca healing diet where you eat the clean foods and no salt, no sugar, no oils, um, refraining from sex, you know, making boundaries with your phone and TV and how many stressful things you're letting in, all of that, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think if... If I guess the best analogy or kind of way to think about it, if you were going to put non-ordinary states of consciousness on a spectrum, you know, you'd probably see EMDR more to the left and on the lower level, and ayahuasca would be on the more, uh, I guess you would say, extreme, you know. So, um, yeah, I even think EMDR would be a great way to prep somebody for ayahuasca, and I do do that, as well as the transformational breath work you know yeah actually as you were talking about it i was really that's what came up was like it it almost sounds like with emdr you could create kind of a roadmap of some of the things that somebody might encounter especially if they're going into the ayahuasca experience specifically for healing right and healing trauma Totally. So like you're not you're not necessarily like choreographing the medicine experience, right? But you're you're creating some of the major marks on the landscape that Correct. could possibly come up, and in that way you're almost prepping them for like, hey, this is have some awareness around this. Mm-hmm. Similar to like if you were going to go to the gym and you had a shoulder injury, you would adjust your programming around that. You know, like first week out of that injury, you might not do any shoulders or, you know, weeks in, you might say, okay, well, I'm going to stay away from this particular exercise or at least have some awareness um, so that when I'm moving that joint, um, you know, I'm I'm aware of, of, of what's happening in my body. No, I think you said it perfectly. Like, um, yeah. So when I, when I work with people, I mean, I work as mainly as a coach now, but I still take in my therapy framework, you know, so I'm, I get like a full background on somebody. And, um, so I'm really looking for, you know, what's happened in the past and how much work, how much inner work have they done? And, um, so if they, you know, if they are interested in ayahuasca either sooner or later, 
we definitely look at that and be like, hey, like, let's let's start working on this, and then that will free up some space and ceremony. You know, you can go deeper into other things you want because you've kind of cleared this. Um, of course, that's all theoretical and analogy because, like, I don't want to sit here and act like I'm smarter than ayahuasca or I can predict what's going to happen. But in terms of someone's ability to be resilient and um, their, their central nervous system to be more flexible and resilient and more grounded in things, those are things we can control, you know, like that's what I'm all about in the preparation and integration is like how much empowerment can I give my client or my student, how much tools and resources can I give them to um, weather the unknown which that is what ayahuasca land is it's like we can sit here all day and talk about like what is or what isn't gonna happen but it's like you know when a client comes back or a student they're like i saw aliens it's like okay cool let's unpack that you know because that had nothing to do with what we were talking about or seemingly but yes i think having exposure to these things you know not just the everyday ordinary reality you know and and to get into other places where they got to work through this because yeah so I love how you said it can definitely be a roadmap for for so many things and I, I love how what you just touched on there in terms of like working with your clients and empowering your clients because we were talking before the show um, about what your vital point is for, mm. oh, for yes. working you know, for working with your clients. Yeah. You know, and, and we talked about the having the ability to calm, regulate and anchor those peak experiences. Yeah, yeah. And yes. to me, that's such a powerful thing because and it's one of the things that I love discussing with you. You know, I feel like we're on the same page about is these non-ordinary states of consciousness are incredible but like what are you doing with that afterwards right you know what kind of change are you actually creating in your life through them right or are you just sitting in the same ceremony over and over again basically right and i mean and and, and then i love how you said that because i feel like that's a perfect statement for like am i sitting in the same stuck cycle in my life because that's mm -hmm. what it ends up being, right? It's a mirror of what's already happening in your life. You know, so if you feel stuck in ceremony, you probably feel stuck in your life. You know, it's it's very, um, I mean, that's at least what ayahuasca has taught me is like, there's, it's it's a training ground for so many different things. But yeah, the the, the things that come up in ceremony being a mirror for the things that come up in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's such an important idea. I mean, I often talk about that within the breathwork context to people as well. Yeah. You know, if, if there's something that they're really feeling stuck about in the breathwork and they just feel like they can't move through it. Well, like right. how else, where else does this come up in your life? Does this come up in other places? And they're like, Oh yeah, actually yeah. it does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And I love yes. um, one of my teacher, one of my breathwork teachers, he would describe the breathwork process as going to the surrender gym. You know, that that's oh. literally all you're doing is just learning surrender to surrender and be open to whatever's coming up, including right. the fact that it's not always going to be like, oh, my God, it was so visionary. And like I saw visions and downloads and it was great and it was beautiful. Like. Sometimes it's going right. to be challenging and sometimes yeah. maybe nothing's going to come up. And then how are you going to deal with that? Like, is that something that's going to bother you? <laughs> are you going yeah, to be able yeah. to accept it? Like, okay, this is what happened today. You yeah, know, yeah. Totally. And in, in that same way that these ceremonies are little mirrors for what's happening in our life. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I'll just say one more bit after that, because, yeah, exactly. No matter what the non-ordinary state is, EMDR, breathwork, ayahuasca, you know, it's all, I believe it's all, it's all that, you know. 
Um, and I, I think um, just to kind of touch on this, like, yeah, because there's a difference between a challenging ceremony and a ceremony that we, we feel like was overwhelming or we were unresourced for. And that's when mm-hmm. trauma happens, when we're unprepared and unresourced, too much, too fast, too soon. That's what trauma is, right? right. And, um, yeah, and, like, you know, we got to be careful in these, like, medicine spaces and, like, you don't want to recreate an experience. So, anyway, what I'm trying to get at is um, my my saying is always dose slow to grow. You know, there's, like be careful because that's really influencing you and going into these experience being as resourced and as prepared as possible, you know, that will allow somebody to access more of themselves rather than creating this, you know, more, more stuff for somebody to work through. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So you have generously offered to guide a little EMDR practice that yes. the listeners can do at home. Yes. Yeah. I, I, depending on how much time we have, I have a couple. So the first one, um, you can use um, anytime you're having an experience that you want to remember or anchor um, and that can be, you know, in the moment or it can be like, oh, man, I, f- I forgot to do that. So um, let's rem- let's anchor it now. Um, so it could be happening in real time or it can be a memory of uh, either a peak experience of whatever that is. It could be in the ayahuasca space or not, you know, um, but just any sort of experience that you want to remember and anchor and Um, create an internal resource for yourself and this can be anything you know so basically um, you can just momentarily take a moment to think about an experience that you felt expanded or a lot of gratitude or you felt very empowered um, or maybe someone you know really helped you whatever whatever that is so just take a moment um to think about something you uh would like to um to anchor and let me know jonathan when when you have that and listeners out there just take a moment when you have that and then we will do the next step okay you got it Mm -hmm. do you do you want to share or no Um, no, I think I'll keep it. Okay. That's, and that's, by the way, guys, this is the beauty of EMDR is that you actually would never have to say a peep of your experience to somebody. So that's also why I love this practice. So, um, so just take a moment to go deeper into that. And this is just a way of priming your mind and your body, but just to bring the visual forward, of whatever you're anchoring anchoring and then just using all your five senses so how you feel about it emotionally how does it feel in your body does it have a smell is there a taste can you hear something in particular and just more and more detail going into it just drawing it up like into your body and when you feel like you really got it just let me know okay I got it and for, the, for those, okay. if, if you're following along with this practice, you know, don't be afraid to pause for a second and give yourself the time that you need. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thanks for thanks for saying that. Okay, cool. So now what we'll do, this will do the tapping part, okay? So you can do it across your chest like this. And really, the you can just, and for those of you who are listening or watching, 
you can just cross your hands across your chest and then you tap on your shoulders kind of at a pace of one, two, one, two, one, two, and you're just tapping. And as you're tapping, you're really focusing on whatever you're anchoring. Yeah, just like that. And at first, for those of you who are doing this totally brand new, it's going to feel like you're patting your head and rubbing your belly. So there's a lot happening, and just know that will pass. Yeah, so breathing nice and deep as you're doing it as well. Just breathing into it. We always want to use the breath with everything we do. Jonathan's doing a great job getting into it. And just keep going. I'll let you know when to stop. Good. So go ahead and take a pause. Nice big deep breath in. And out. Nice. And just take a moment um, and reflect with yourself, Jonathan, um, just what you noticed in that round. And for those of you who are listening, this is exactly what you'll do. You'll tap anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes on each round, and then you'll take a nice deep breath, pause, reflect, and then you'll want to go back in. So do you feel ready to go back in, Jonathan? Okay, so whenever you're ready, just pull up that anchor, noticing the visuals, sensations, feelings, and whenever you're ready, just go ahead and start tapping. Just really breathe nice and deep as you're doing that. I'm going to take a nice big deep breath in and out. And once again, just noticing what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. Nice. And we'll just do one more round. So whenever you're ready, same thing, drawing up that anchor. And whenever you're ready, just go ahead and start tapping. Go ahead and pause, take a nice big deep breath in, and out, yeah, and you can just relax your arms, and just take a moment to notice what you're feeling and what you're sensing, 
and just taking a moment to just like name this anchor and it doesn't have to be anything fancy unless unless you want it to be just something you can remember so maybe it's dreamland or forest or lavender field but just something that you can help you associate that place with And then you can just slowly bring awareness to your eyes. And then whenever you're ready, you can come back to the room. Yeah. How are you feeling? I feel good. Um, I, it was interesting to notice the difference in each round. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe I didn't pick the best thing to anchor in, but it was something that I'm working on anchoring, but it's like also um, like a limiting belief that I'm changing. And so I, I, okay. picked, I picked an example of when I disprove that limiting belief and like celebrating the more yes. expanded uh, belief, uh -huh. you know? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the first round, I kind of felt some, maybe some some tension or some like some churning mm -hmm. like I, I sure. sort of felt you like that limiting process kind of yeah yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and then yeah, yeah, the yeah. second round I felt like more what I would say positive kind of sensations and then the mm. third round there was like a lot of um like inner affirmations that were coming up along with the sensations mm. yes so yes it's interesting to notice the the change yeah, totally. And know that you can continue to deepen that, you know, and whoever's listening to whatever anchor you're working on, you know, we would, we would usually do that for much longer. We did pretty short rounds, um, but for the sake of time, you know, um, so if you're doing it on your own, you just get a stopwatch, put that in front of you, do like two to three minute rounds. You know, I don't want to keep everyone here forever. So we did like 30, 45 second rounds. Um, and you can do that and go deeper and deeper each time. And um, it is different every round. And in fact, every EMDR session is completely different. And that's also the other mirror of the psychedelic realm is that it's never the same. You know, um, it does sound like you started to, you were processing for sure, you know. Um, so uh can you hear me yeah I'm, I'm having some i'm just reconnecting my headset okay, okay there we go no worries um so yeah so for people who are anchoring that you know anchoring whatever that peak experience is really just focusing on um the positive aspects you know and we do want it, we really do want it to be a peak experience because um, as you can see, it sounds like you're, there's a part of that peak experience that you're struggling with. So if, if we were working together, we would probably, we would actually process that. We would go deeper into processing rather than like that's a, um, a pure like internal positive resource, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that this the tapping can be done with any any peak experience, and um, especially in the medicine space, you know, I I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, whoa, whoa wait, slow down, like I really want to remember this, like this is amazing, you know, and like you take your hands anywhere, you know. Um, and just tap that in and be like, I don't want to forget this. Like, and you can just mantra whatever is happening to really anchor that in. Um, and I didn't mention it, but you can also do it on your knees. You don't have to do it across your chest if you don't want to. So you can do it on your knees as well. Um, yeah, but that's, um, that's at least one of the things. There's a bunch of different things you can do with EMDR, but that's, that's just one thing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, uh... I had two questions yeah. maybe to clarify for, for sure. people. So 
does it matter like how hard you're tapping like does it need to be really firm or is can it be pretty light is there any sort of difference that's a great question i would say you you want to feel it you want to feel it yeah yeah and like um yeah and i like you want to play with different things like you can play with the speed you know that was my second question kind of speed it up you know and the and the pressure you definitely want to feel it and it is something like you kind of want to feel connected to you know but what i usually do i just i start off people with like a a one two one two one two one two and you do want to feel it you know you want to feel it you want to feel connected to it you want to feel like it's taking you deeper into something because with each round the experience um i don't want to use the word should but i will it should be you feel like you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into it you can see more you can feel more you know so cool yeah thank you for offering that and i hope that this inspired you the listener or watcher i guess now uh to to try it out because it is something that has been really helpful and like you said something that we've especially that anchoring you know not 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 working with trauma but the anchoring you know used in the medicine experience to to help ground and help remember totally yeah yeah and just to make a distinction for people um yeah if you've i mean it's I would say don't start processing your traumas on your own, you know, like I'm not trying to disempower anybody, but it's like, it can feel, you know, kind of weird and like, whoa, if, if like, you know, you haven't gone through the process with somebody. So the, the, the skill that I'm sharing is really meant for positive resourcing rather than going into, you know, um, processing on your own if that makes sense yeah and i think it's important like what we were talking about earlier in terms of just defining that trauma right like there's the the medicine experience or an an altered state of consciousness can be re-traumatizing if we're not prepared for it because the the trauma isn't exactly what's happening it's our reaction to it and our ability to hold it or or not you know if our system is getting overwhelmed It's something I've been thinking about a lot, like uh, somebody Mm -hmm. that's like a soldier, for instance, (laughs) like a soldier has more training around that resilience Mm -hmm. about being in this super activated state. Uh Right. So Uh I would probably have a different reaction in terms of the trauma that I would experience Mm -hmm. being put into a situation that might be not so dysregulating or not so alarming to a soldier you know and that's not to that's not to discount anybody's experience obviously soldiers are experiencing ptsd and and trauma from their experiences as well but there's also a certain amount of like training and uh yes familiarity with the situation that they're receiving as a part of their job yes so it's all kind of relative, right? Great analogy. I think it's a great analogy. You know, it's like, yeah, you're definitely, when I work with people, you are being like, hey, this is what it's going to be like. Like, you can't tell them exactly, right? Just like a soldier, you can't say exactly what's going to happen. But like, hey, these are some of the things you might face. This is how some of the ways you might feel. This is what to expect in EMDR land. This is what to expect in ayahuasca land. You know, so you're priming them, getting them ready, you know, and so they know what to expect because that is a big part of the central nervous system and feeling ready for something and knowing how to hold it is knowing what is is to come, you know, Uh, not all the way, but, you know, somewhat to now to navigate what's happening. Well, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about your ayahuasca trauma-informed group uh, preparation and integration container because you're just finishing the first first uh, cohort are you all are you all the way done now or you have one more session we have one more week we have one more week the closing ceremony yeah so 
So John, Jonathan will put the link down for you guys, but um, yeah, so the three months uh, self-empowerment and transformation, ayahuasca preparation and integration um, intensive. It's a 90-day, three-month container um, that's really for ayahuasca preparation and integration. You know, you get effective skills, tools like mindfulness, breath work, inner child and reparenting work so that you can really know how to integrate this stuff, you know, and like, if you've never taken the medicine, it's ne never, you know, now, now is the best time to start integrating with your preparation because a good preparation leads to a solid integration. And this has really been created out of my own experience. Um, and kind of what I've seen, there's a lot of, there's so much confusion in the ayahuasca community, you know, post ceremony, dealing with the afterglow, which is when that experience of like, oh, all my problems are vanished, and you know, um, and then the, all of a sudden they return, you know. So having having it's all about you know for me that's why it's called self empowerment because I share how to. It's all about the how to. So everyone in the group learns how to embody the tools. They know what to do. So they can be self healers in this journey of ayahuasca, you know, and it's, it's so that people can really manifest whatever their soul's calling is. Ayahuasca removes all the masks, right? The trauma, the social programming. Now I know who I am. Okay. Now what do I go do with it? Right? Because it's not like those 27 or 20 plus or 40 years of who you thought you were aren't going away. That's why we call it integration, because we have to take what we've learned and what we've been and how do I truly change. And it takes time, right? So um, that's why you get lots of attention. You get a lot, I mean, two, two times a week, three hours a week, basically, between me and the group. So we're doing breath work every other week. We're doing mindfulness, inner child work, learning about the central nervous system. We do a one-week healing diet together. And... Last but not least, um, a lot of people who do this work feel called to be of service. They want to give the gift of healing and transformation to somebody else. So everyone gets certified in online breath work in the program so they can share, you know, they go through all this like beautiful transformation of themselves and then being able to share that with others and so much more. So all the details are in the link that Jonathan yeah. will share. Um, and then people can just reach out to me if they want to do one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe they're not interested in the group. Um, there's limited capacity for the group. Um, everyone has to apply and uh, 10 are accepted for each cohort because I have found that I really do want to keep these containers really intimate and small. I feel like over 10, I can't really, you know, give the, give the attention or the group kind of gets lost. And um, so... Yeah, and it's, it's, I was just telling the group, it's really weird to live your life in a way where a plant is telling you what to do with it, to be super honest with you. So it's, it's been a weird, it's been a wild ride. I'm just so grateful. And, um, yeah, I just, I feel really called to strictly work with people who are on the ayahuasca path because it's really touched me in a way that I don't really think I fully have understood just yet. You know, I think I'm that's unfolding every single day right right in mm. front of my eyes. What would you say is the most surprising thing that you've learned doing a group container as opposed to working with individual clients? Uh, the power of the community transformation. You know, and that's what the ayahuasca told me. It's like, it's great to work one-on-one. -on -one. I love it, you know, and some people, you know, they're sensitive and they're not ready for a group. And that's, that's why I offer that still, you know, and that's totally okay. But that's the one thing that, um, just what the group does for each other and how much love and support, you know, and how everyone's healing in that group is, is everyone's healing. Everyone's share is medicine for everybody, you know, and, everyone's learning from each other everyone's supporting one another then you know they're doing things that i would never even thought of you know the insights that they offer and watching each other like hold each other you know we there's breakdowns for a breakthrough right so people being vulnerable sharing going deep with each other like like really deep you know i remember we were in our second week and they were already going deep with each other so i'm like wow 
this is incredible. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this to like the second month. So it's, um, yeah, I think just that, that group healing component has been really, I, I don't even know, I don't even know if I have words for it, but it's just been incredible to witness. Well, it's been incredible for me to witness, you know, the growth that you've been going through over the last year and, you know, oh. you having the courage to go to Peru. And I feel like we could have a whole nother podcast about like, I, I keep hearing this topic coming up about like uh, the should, should indigenous culture like stay pristine or like how is it changing as it comes into the west and i feel like you're like a really good person to talk about that because you here you are you know you've been initiated into this you know indigenous lineage but you're also applying these western and modern tools and resources that we have in order to like help process what comes up you know it's and and we've talked about this before too of like well it's great to go and experience the medicine in its you know native environment but you're not a native you know you you're not going to become a native in one night or one week or you know a couple months even so like Mm -mm. how how are we Mm -hmm. as westerners processing that and like how is it how is it changing you know, it's to me, it's a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I feel like we really we really could do probably another good <laughs> two to three hours just on that. You know, I um, I am really thankful to the indigenous people for making this practice known and not just for me, but for thousands, for thousands and thousands of other people to have access to you know there's there's many paths to liberation in this life you know this this has just been the path that has called to me i didn't ask for it you know i really didn't ayahuasca was the first plant medicine i ever took in my life you know so um yeah and i i definitely think um we have a lot to learn that's that's what i know we have a lot to learn as westerners as we the globalization of ayahuasca and what is happening with that. But I can say one thing is like, um, I think if people put safety at the forefront above anything else, you know, above cultural practices, indigenous practices, you know, whatever that is, you know, putting somebody's safety and screening them properly, that is what you know, my values are, is like, no matter how I'm practicing, you know, is this the right container for somebody? And someone, when I work with people, I'd say, you know, I empower them to be like, you really need to sit with yourself and ask yourself, what type of setting is the most supportive for my intention? Because maybe it's not in a a Maloka, pitch black Maloka full of 30 people. You know, maybe it's a one-on-one in the daytime and you know, I've had both of those experiences and, and some other things in between. So we're in a time where the person who's healing or whatever's happening, they have a choice, you know, and I, I just really think it's important that people know that and they can make the right choice for them. Definitely. Well, thank you, Aya, for the work that you're doing and for exploring these frontiers and helping to merge them together. It's, you know, I, th- I think I agree with mm-hmm. you. I think that the having a trauma informed approach to working with plant medicine is is a really important thing. And it's easy to get lost in the deep end where it can be re-traumatizing or, you know, maybe not helpful in the same way that being a little bit more grounded totally. and mind- mindful of safety and of set and setting. Um, you know, yeah. having those those things in mind can really help to bring out the healing potential of all this. So thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for being thank on you, the vital point again. 
Yeah, Always. thank you for inviting me. Thank you for all the work you're doing and thank you for yeah, building this awesome platform, you know, so that other people can yeah, learn a lot. Always a pleasure. Well, de and definitely um yeah. yeah, check out Aya's work. She's very active on Instagram, The Multidimensional Journey, and um, you know, there'll be links on the show page to find out more information to connect with her but um, instagram's another good option as well so definitely follow her there as well so until next time um, thank you for joining us keep practicing because that's the vital point see you next time